Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. On today's show, I chat with Luna about her two birth experiences. After planning her first birth at a birthing center, a change in midwives led to her having a cascade of unnecessary interventions just as she was naturally about to give birth. Traumatized by that experience, she looked into free birthing when the time was right to fall pregnant again. A shocking cervical cancer diagnosis threatened her chances of carrying a baby as she was told she may not be able to have children in the future. This experience awakened her soul and sent her on a spiritual journey of self-discovery, believing deeply the power of affirmations and vivid visualizations helped her body and cervix heal from the trauma caused by the cancer removal. She went on to naturally conceive, carry and birth her miracle baby with confidence and power. Enjoy this episode. Hi Luna, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your journey with us. No worries at all, I'm so excited to be here. Do you want to just quickly tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you live and who's in your family? Yeah, so I'm Luna, I'm a 32-year-old mama to um, two little wildlings. I have Atticus who turns three in a couple weeks and then Juniper who turns um, one in a couple weeks. And we um we travel around Australia, my husband and our two kids, we travel around Australia full time in a bus, um, which we've been doing for nearly a year and a half now. Wow. Um and yeah, it, it can get chaotic and yeah. crazy with two little ones, but I, bet. I, f- I feel like it's the same anywhere you are with little ones. So yeah. it's nice to have like the great outdoors as our backyard and to be able to spend so much time in mother nature and everything every day. Oh, so amazing. I watch your stories all the time and I'm always so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so how long are you guys going to do that for? Do you know, or you don't have any plans? Um, we, I mean, when we started off, we were like a year to two years. Yeah, cool. um, And now we're like, we could do it for another year, year and a half. Um, really indefinitely like maybe until the kids kind of want to start being a bit more settled and have Mm -hmm. like a group of friends around them and you know start learning and all of that kind of thing yeah 
um, that's when we'll settle. But we're also looking for somewhere to settle while we travel around. Yeah. Um, so we've only seen so little of Australia already because yeah. of everything that's happened this year. A lot of stuff's been going on with the borders. So there's still so much more we want to see. And I think, yeah, our perfect place we'll find along the way. Yeah, amazing. What a life. Yeah. So did you plan your pregnancies? Um, no. Mm-hmm. Well, so with Atticus, I remember um, we were like, we're living in northern New South Wales at the time and we were like walking along the beach in Coolangatta and I was like looking at kids and families playing and I was actually at university um, at the time full-time and working full-time as well and um, Ben was working full-time and he's a he's a vegan chef and um, oh, awesome. we... We were like just looking at all the kids and I just turned to Ben and I was like, I wonder when we'll have kids. And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, he's like, have you been thinking about it? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I guess there's never a perfect time, is there? Yeah. And then literally like two weeks later. <laughs> no, you manifested or, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like Addie was just like waiting up there and it was like, okay, they're ready. Here I come. Yes. Love <laughs> and it. then um, with Juniper, um. Addie was about, I think it was about 10 or 11 months old Mm -hmm. and we really wanted a second and um, we started trying and it didn't happen and then I think we tried for like one or two months and, you know, I got my period as normal and it didn't happen. I was a bit disappointed Mm. and then um, I went, I had gone in for a um, checkup on my cervix, like a, you know, uh, yearly pap smear or whatever mm-hmm. and we found out like just after Atticus's first birthday that um, I had cervical cancer so that's so scary yeah and that was like a really really big shock um, because they were telling me that like I'd need to have a full hysterectomy uh. and that you know I'd maybe have to rethink having any more children and they were like you know were you planning on more children and I was like yeah we mm. we were like I'm only I was think I was 31 or 30 so young yeah and I was like I eat healthy you know I exercise regularly and I just started that year to like um, minimize all like the toxins we were using around our home and everything so it was a really big shock and mm. um it really awakened like a um, spiritual, emotional, um, j- like awakening journey for me. Yeah. Um, and about a month after I found out, I had surgery to remove the cancer that was there. Mm. And um, I think four weeks, four or six weeks afterwards, we got the results back and it was like it hadn't spread beyond what they'd cut out, which mm-hmm. was really good to hear. And then two weeks later, um, we found out we were pregnant with Junie, which was just oh. like a miracle. Like yeah. it was like we, we obviously were wanting a second and we had been trying, but I was just like, oh, my gosh, it's not going to happen. I've just had all this trauma. and mm. um, But I'd been through, through so much like emotional healing, mm-hmm. um, like working through so many emotional blockages that I'd been bearing and, um, you know, really learning about and leaning into morning rituals and affirmations and Mm -hmm. like um, vivid visualization and all of that kind of thing. And I felt like that's what um, brought the miracle of um, Junie to us. That is incredible. Wow. So when you got that cut out, did they say to you that there's a chance you may not be able to have babies? Yeah. 
Yeah, wow. they said, and they said, you know, it's it's going to be a long healing journey to, you know, um, conceive again, be able to conceive <gasps> again. And it was too. And weeks. you know, if you do, they this is what they said to me: if you get pregnant, you're going to have to have hormone replacement therapy, and you're going to have to have your cervix stitched up to hold <gasps> the pregnancy. And, and you didn't have to have any of that. Well, I <laughs> they wanted to, um, yeah. so I really. After my first pregnancy with Addie and my first birth with Addie, I really wanted like a completely like hands off out of the medical system pregnancy and birth. Yeah. Um, because I trusted in my body and I'd been through, you know, like having gotten through cervical cancer and getting, um, like getting pregnant again, I was like, wow, like I can do anything. Mm. Um, you know, I can heal my body, you know. I can. I, I really believed in the power that, the power of like, visualization and yep. the power of attraction and all of the, and manifestation, all of that kind of thing. And um, but because of what I'd just been through, um, I had to go and have scans every two weeks. And because I was now pregnant, they were like, "Okay, we're going to start you on hormone replacement therapy." And I was like, "Hang on, like you haven't even tested my hormone levels, mm-hmm. like." Why would I need to go on hormone replacement therapy if you don't even know where my hormone levels are at? Yeah. And and they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, it is recommended considering um, you have had cancer and all of that kind of thing. And I was like, well, let's just see yeah. what happens. And then they were like, okay, well, anyway, we're going to have to stitch up your cervix. And I was like, well, can we just see how my cervix goes? Like, you know, you're going to be scanning me every two weeks and if anything yeah. changes – you know, we can stitch it up then. And they're mm. like, well, you know, protocol is that we stitch it up from the beginning. And mm. I was like, well, let's just wait. Yeah. You know, let's just wait and see. Like, let's see what my body does. Um, and then so for the first 20 weeks of my pregnancy, um, so up until 12 weeks, that's what – no, no, no. Sorry, it was six weeks. Um, that was when um, I started getting um, – fortnightly scans okay and every time I went to get a scan my cervix had grown and they were like they didn't understand what was going on and I they said oh you know it must have been something wrong with the equipment um the first time they're like oh there must have been something wrong with the equipment so next time you go you'll see you know that wouldn't have happened and I was like okay well what equipment should I trust then is like another scan place that's more accurate that's Mm -hmm. somewhere I can go to and they're like yeah go to the one at the hospital instead of your local one so I went to the one at the hospital and then again it had grown again and (gasps) I like went back and I was like so it's saying that it's grown again like and they're like yeah well you know this isn't normal um Oh, and, they, and then they were still, like, pushing, like, you know, maybe you still need a stitch, maybe you still need this hormone replacement therapy. And I was just like, no, I'm just going to trust my body. Mm-hmm. And we got to 20 weeks having biweekly scans and we had, like, the morphology scan at 20 weeks mm-hmm. and it was completely normal. My cervix had grown back to completely normal <sighs> and they just, like, cleared me to have a normal, straightforward pregnancy and birth. That is powerful. Um, yeah, and that's when I was like, wow, I can do anything. Yeah. And that's when I stepped out of the medical system for um, Juniper's birth and we actually started bus life then. And, um, yeah, we were travelling around and so I didn't have any more checks or anything. I just 
trusted my body. Yeah. Wow. That is so powerful. I believe so deeply in the power of affirmation. So it's always cool to hear stories like that, especially when they're telling you, no, you can't grow your cervix back and then your body does it. Yeah. And I remember I listened to another podcast at the time with, um, Teresa Palmer. I'm pretty sure she was talking to Melissa Ambrosini about her, mm-hmm. her, one of her pregnancies. And she was saying how she had, um, her placenta covering her cervix mm-hmm. and she went in for a scan and they're like okay well you know you're gonna have to book in for a cesarean and she's like no I'm gonna move my placenta it's okay and every day she'd say my placenta is moving my placenta is moving out of the way my baby is safe and she'd say this to and the next time she went for a scan it had completely moved out of the way and I was wow. like yes like you know that is the power of affirmation yeah. and the power of visualization like mm-hmm. I can do that too mm. oh my gosh that's incredible I need to listen to that um so do you want to take us to Addie's pregnancy and birth yeah so um I had no clue about pregnancy and birth. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't something that I had delved into or learned about or was interested in. But then when I became pregnant, you know, I was studying journalism at um, university. So I was very much a researcher. I was like, yes, like I want to know anything and everything about birth and um, pregnancy. And I dived into a lot of research and I read like a lot of Ina Mae Gaskin. Love her. Yeah, I read um, Sarah Buckley's Gentle Birth, Gentle Mothering. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just, you know, was in awe of the like female body and awe of the whole experience of birth. And, you know, I, um, I was very aware of like how I was fueling my body and what mm-hmm. I was eating and um, even like some of the, and I, I went through a um, birth center at the local hospital near where we lived. Yeah. Um, and I um, connected with this beautiful midwife that they allocated me. Um, and she was like very on board with um, like all of my questions and my birth plan and everything. Um, there were some things that, um, you know, like it's protocol for midwives who are working through a hospital system to advise things a certain way, like in regards to, you know, vaccines you should have and yeah. um, monitoring of your, you know, pregnancy in regards to um, ultrasounds. And I hadn't really learnt that much about ultrasounds yeah. at the time. And so I did have the regular ultrasounds and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I was learning, like, um, the what's it called, the glucose test that mm-hmm. they test you for, um, you know, the diabetes. The diabetes, yeah. Yeah, during pregnancy. I was like, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm super healthy. And she was like, no, like, if you want to go through the hospital system, it's just something that you have to do. And, like, we really wanted a home birth, but it was going to be five to $6,000 and yeah. it just wasn't something we could afford at the time. Yeah. Um, and I said to her, look, is there any other option? Because I eat really healthy and I never, like, I'm very rarely eat sugar to, so it seems counterproductive to me to be like ingesting that much sugar while I'm trying to grow like a baby in my belly. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I was like, is there any other way that they can test like my blood sugar levels without, you know, having to do that? And, you know, it went back and forth and I went to like the blood test people and spoke to them about it. And they're like, okay, you know, go first thing in the morning before you've eaten, test your blood and then have a meal and come back and test your blood. And I was like, 
that makes a lot more sense yeah, to me. <laughs> that's what I did as well. It's just silly, isn't it? And I was like, it? why is that not an option? I know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. Good um, on you. Yeah. So, and then like as it got closer to my birth, um, I got to 40, got to 40 weeks and um, I had kind of spoken to my midwife and said, you know, what would happen if I got to 40 weeks? Like is intervention something that you guys suggest and all of that kind of thing and she's like no no like you should be able to get to 41 weeks and be fine and it got to 40 weeks and my midwife was like oh you know how about we do you know a stretch and sweep and try and like break your waters and I was like no I'm okay like you know the due date is just like a rough estimate so Mm -hmm. let's just um let's just leave it a bit longer and then it was just like also, telling your family and friends when you're due, that was something I was like, I'm not going to do that next time. Yeah. Because, like, every day people would message me, and I've got like six, I've got five brothers and sisters, and then my mum and dad, and like everyone's oh, wow. messaging me, being like, oh, is the baby here? Is the baby <sighs> here? And then, you know, like, you just get so like, oh, well, maybe it should be here. Like, yeah. I'm so pregnant. Like, and you get all this outside influence. And mm-hmm. I was just like, no, like, I just need to trust my body and my baby. And I remember getting a bit anxious and stressed in that, like, 40 to 41 weeks. And then the midwife was telling me I'd need to stretch and sweep and blah, blah, blah. And then um, then she called me, um, like, I was 40 weeks plus five days and she called me and said, oh, I actually go on annual leave tomorrow. So did you, oh, no. you know, um, want to come in and see if you're dilated or anything and maybe we can get this moving? And I was like, no. Wow. <laughs> like you did it. And I, like, I, I really connected with her. Like I really liked her and she knew exactly what my birth plan was in regards to like the um, as little intervention and interruption as possible. And so that was just like another like, oh, my gosh, like who am I going to end up with in my birth? Yeah. And um, I remember that day like just being like like really disappointed yeah. and um, I had been going to see an acupuncturist um, the last few months of my birth and I remember going to see her and she was like, no, like the baby will come when it's ready, like mm-hmm. don't let that stress you out. Yeah. Or like, and she actually gave me a little bit of um, acupuncture to kind of ripen my cervix. Yeah, nice. Um, and then that t- within 24 hours um, my mucus plug came out and then it was about 8 p.m. at night on a Sunday and I started going into um, – I started going into labour and I was having the contractions. I told Ben to go sleep because, you know, I was fine on my own and mm-hmm. he would probably need rest and we were just at home. And, um, yeah, I was just labouring and I remember I was, like, painting, drawing this beautiful picture of, like, um, myself and my cervix opening and my baby coming out and I just had beautiful music on and I was feeling, like, so in the zone and relaxed. And then... Um, uh, the I t- was timing my contractions and they started getting about two minutes apart and I was like, okay, it's probably time to go into the birth centre. And I remember calling the number that I'd been given for the replacement midwife and um, she said to me, oh, no, you're still talking, like you're able to talk so I don't think you need to come in. And I was like, okay, well, I'm feeling quite intense, like I feel like maybe if I don't come in now, like the baby might come. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, no, like 
you'd be in a lot more pain and you wouldn't be able to talk if you it was time to come in. And I was like, okay. So I started kind of questioning my body and what it was doing because mm-hmm. obviously you assume that they know more than you, uh, especially being your first birth, like you just doubt yourself a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then and then I kind of like woke Ben up and I was like, no, it's getting like really intense and then I, I had to run out of the room and go vomit in the sink um, and I was like, no, like if we don't go now, like we're going to have the baby at home and so we got in the car and the birth centre was about 20 minutes away and Ben called the midwife on the way there and he was like, look, we're coming in and she was like, oh, oh like, you know, I, I, you should have told me, blah, 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 like seemed really like stressed about it. And then so we got to the birth, um, the birth centre and we got given a room and then she kind of rushed in and she was like, well, what's going on? Like, you know, like it, she just made, like it just put this kind of stress bubble like it was inconvenient. Mm, that's so um, annoying. And she wanted to check me straight away like how, how dilated I was and I was like okay well you know she has to check so she believes that I'm in labor Mm -hmm. um and she checked me and I was like eight centimeters dilated and she was like oh oh yeah you are you are in labor (laughs) and I was like yeah (laughs) god and um so then I was just like I said look we just want to be left alone and I said I gave Ben we had our birth plan written down and I said can you just make sure she reads through this so she knows and we just put our music on and, you know, we're in the zone. And I, was, I'm, I wasn't a very loud labourer. Like I was breathing through my contractions and, you know, I'd chosen not to have any um, pain relief or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And um, then my body started pushing and I was just holding Ben and my body was pushing. And then she, like, burst in the room again and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like... I'm my body's pushing and she's like oh you shouldn't be pushing just yet it's not time to push oh, and I was like well it's not something I that think and I was just like and then I just started like questioning myself again like maybe my body's not doing the right thing mm. um and then Ben kind of left the room and I was just like pushing kind of on my own and um, he came back and he didn't say anything to me, but like I can sense like there was an energy change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and then I was kind of like trying to stop myself from pushing. And then about, I couldn't really say how many, how much time, but maybe like 10, 15 minutes later, there was another midwife there. And then they were like, okay, yep, it's time to push. Um, and then, were, and then, um, the first midwife came and she's like, yeah, but, you know, your water hasn't broken yet and I'm really worried about that. Like I think breaking your water is something we should do. And I was like, okay, all right. Like I didn't really want intervention but she seemed really concerned. So I was like, okay, you can break my waters. Yeah. And then she broke them and then she was like, okay, so we need to get this baby out in the next half an hour. Oh, so, wow. you know, and I And I was just like what is going on? And she's like, you know, if, and I started pushing. She's like, come on, we need to actively push. And, and I was, so then I was pushing my body after just having, trying, trying not to push. And then like, she was like, you know, maybe 15 minutes later, she's like, okay, so if we don't get this baby out in the next 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to have to transfer to a hospital. Oh. 
That is just <laughs> mind-blowing. Yeah. It, it was just – she was just so opposite of the midwife that I had wow. been through with my whole pregnancy that I was just like – I didn't know what was going on and I was just like – Shell-shocked. Yeah. And then Ben actually told me um, – afterwards like after the birth and everything that she was trying to stop me from pushing because it was protocol that they had to have two midwives there to Mm. oversee a birth and because she had told me like not to come in and to wait and then she'd had to rush in and then she'd obviously called the other midwife on her way and they weren't there yet when I'd started pushing that was why she was telling me to stop wow okay so protocol Um, yeah and so then like it just completely like I feel like that's what messed up my birth is that oh, I was 1, like questioning my body and I was like and then I was being told to stop and then being told to rush. Your body and, was doing it. Yeah, exactly. And then it got to the point where um, they were like, okay, the ambulance people had come to transfer and they had the bed in the room. Okay, they're like, all right, you got one last push to get the baby out, otherwise we're being transferred. And, of course, I couldn't, I couldn't concentrate because all these people were around me. And so I um, I got transferred to a hospital which was like 20 minutes away and they, like they weren't, my husband Ben wasn't allowed in the ambulance with us. She was in the ambulance with me instead and the whole time she was like, don't push, don't push, we don't want the baby coming out in the ambulance. Oh, my um, gosh, that makes me so angry hearing that. <laughs> I'm so sorry that happened to you. She should never I have intervened. I know. I look back on it now and I'm just, oh, like, so angry. Of course. But, um, I, and I mean, I was super angry and disappointed at the time, but, again, it was something. Out of your control, through. yeah. Yeah. Um. And so we got transferred to a hospital. Suddenly we're in this bright room with like eight people, like surgeons, doctors, all of these people around me. And I had to come out of like my birth zone. And Ben hadn't arrived yet because he'd been following the ambulance and had to try and find a park. And I came out of my birth zone and I was like, look, I don't want anyone taking my baby when it comes out. Like Mm -hmm. I want my baby on my chest as soon as it comes out. We didn't know what sex it was. Um, I don't want like any synthetic hormones injected into me, like mm-hmm. to get my placenta out. Like I want delayed cord clamping. I was like listing off everything that I wanted my birth to be Good because obviously my instructions hadn't come along and everyone was like, okay, kind of thing. Um, so then I try again, tried to push him out, but, um, you know, I'd, there was just so many people there. So they gave mm-hmm. me an episiotomy mm-hmm. and then they um, suctioned him out. And then he was on my chest and they did, you know, they put the um, thing on his finger or mm-hmm. wrist and stuff to check his blood pressure and everything while he was on my chest. And he was, like, crying, 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 and I was just, like, trying to breathe deeply and just, you know, try and be calm for both of us. Yeah. Um, and then um, the lady who delivered him um, clamped the cord before delayed cord clamping, so I was really... And my my husband arrived just before they gave me the episiotomy, thankfully. Um, but, yeah, she clamped the cord. Like, we were like, oh, we want to, like, and she clamped it anyway, which we were super, like, angry about. Wow. Yeah, and then she was like, okay, so we need to wheel you off to surgery now to stitch this um, episiotomy up. And I was like, <sighs> no, you're not. Like, there's no way I'm leaving my baby. <sighs> I was like, you can stitch it up right here. And they're like, oh, you know, we have to give you pain. I said, Literally, like, sew me up. Like, yeah. I, 
I'm on such a high, like having my baby, like I can't feel anything. I was like, you can just sew me up here. Yeah. Um, wow, you're amazing. And so they they did that and like I just kept him with me the whole time and they did like monitored his heart rate and breathing and everything while he was on my chest because I just didn't want to let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then we were in the hospital for the day and the night and Ben wasn't allowed to stay the night in the hospital so we were – I was on my own with him um, and, I mean, the the one good thing, I guess, about staying overnight in the hospital is that I did have um, a lot of midwives come through that helped me mm-hmm. um, with breastfeeding. So yeah. I was able to get him breastfeeding um, pretty quickly and well before we went home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and then we got home and then it was it was just so nice to be home. But there was a lot of trauma mm. that came from that. Oh, I'm not surprised. They seem like really little things that, like, you know, happen every day so it's not that big a deal. But it is a big deal because Huge. it has so many, like, ramifications yeah. for, like, the mum and the baby and, like, how you bond and how you feel about yourself after you give birth. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're a conscious person so you did the work before going in and you – did the research like a lot of women don't do that so they go in and they have all these things happen and they're just confused and traumatized but don't understand why yeah and I know that they knew they did something wrong because um I had to they were like I had a few doctors come into the room and just be like oh so with your experience of birth like was there anything that you weren't happy with like you know we had to give you a episiotomy for a reason and like and then you know I had the hospital call me and like being like oh so we just have to you know have some documents signed that you know that you're happy with birth and everything and I was just in such a like I just want to get out of here that I was just like yeah it was fine it was fine like I'm not gonna like go through this trauma over and over again and talk about this birth experience so I just like signed this document which I'm sure a lot of women do in that scenario yeah so what was your headspace like after that experience and what did you do to help yourself cope afterwards? Um, I, it was really hard. Like mm-hmm. I was in, I felt like I, my body had failed me or I'd, I'd failed Addie. Mm-hmm. I felt like I hadn't given him the best experience he should have had. You know, I was worrying about him having been suctioned out and the effect it might have had on him. Mm-hmm. Um but what helped me the most um, was telling him his birth story yeah, okay. over and over again. So, like, every week um, for the first few weeks and then every month, like, on the eve of his um, birth, like, I'd just be like, remember, you know, when we went into labour together and this is what happened and, like, you know, we had to go to the hospital and then you got sucked out but Mama was always there and mm. I would talk through it over and over again because I didn't want him to feel like there was something wrong with the way he yeah. entered the world and I didn't want there to be that silence around it. Yeah, that's um, amazing. And it, we even still talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny too because he did this massive poo in my hand as soon as he came out and mm-hmm. I remember I didn't even realise at the time and I didn't even look whether he was a boy or a girl but I was just cuddling him and then Ben kind of said to me, oh, is it a boy or a girl? And I lifted up the blanket and there was just this big poo like covering all his <laughs> his genitals and stuff and I, I was like oh my god he's done a poo on me kind of thing and we laugh about that now I was like yeah. remember when you did that poo on me <laughs> like yeah <laughs> oh, <bless. laughs> and yeah and so we talk about it a lot now and um I 
actually I hope that that kind of takes some of the negative emotions away from the memory for him yeah, and for totally. me too. Yeah, that's an awesome little tip. So when you fell pregnant again, were you excited to sort of create a different outcome with your birth? Um, I, like prior to fall, like getting cervical cancer, um, I was super excited that we were going to, like, because I felt like if we had stayed home and just given birth to mm-hmm. Addie at home and not had any of that intervention, like it would have gone completely straightforward. Yeah, 100%. And, normal, and we would have um, had our baby. And I kind of had been speaking to Ben about, you know, we could have done that like just us as a family. And he was mm. like, yeah, no, I agree kind of thing. Um, and so we were kind of like we're toying with the, idea of having like a free birth and like a wild pregnancy without any medical intervention or monitoring and stuff Mm -hmm. Um, and then I got cervical cancer and then all of that happened and I had to have that monitoring but Mm -hmm. I was like as soon as I get this all clear like uh, we are going to have the most beautiful pregnancy and birth without any any Mm -hmm. need for any of that so yeah I was like totally and after having like healed my cervix like that I was like I can do anything like we're going I can birth my baby on my own yes and you guys were on the bus at this stage right so was the plan to have her on the bus or were you going to find a house um so we were planning to um find an airbnb to rent for a couple of months around when um Junie was due and um yeah have her like at the Airbnb. Perfect. And was your the rest of your pregnancy with her pretty straightforward? Yeah, it was completely straightforward. Awesome. Um, and I, I would, she'd get hiccups a lot. I didn't know she was a girl, but she'd get hiccups a lot. And, you know, I could feel her moving around in my belly. Like, and, but because she got hiccups a lot, I knew where her head was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could sense that, you know, she was head down, particularly towards the end of pregnancy. Um, and I'd been listening to a lot of like free birth society podcasts. I'd been watching lots of YouTube videos about free births. Like I kind of had an idea of yep. the things that could possibly um, happen, but be challenging in the birth, and you know ways to go through that and overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was about thirty six weeks, and I started getting a really like needing to ground and nest, and it was at a time when the bushfires were happening last year, uh-huh. and I was just feeling like really. Um, we just really need because we were down in like southern New South Wales, yeah. Um, and I was like, no, we really need to like get somewhere away from these fires um, and somewhere we can ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we went, we found an Airbnb, like putting um, the word out um, up near the northern rivers where we had been living. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd be around friends and family, and yeah, we got into Airbnb, and I was about. 37 or 38 weeks must have been 38 weeks Mm -hmm. um and yeah we just it was really nice just to have somewhere to ground and kind of nest and just really relax and be around like my friends yeah and then we were just planning there was a bath in the airbnb um we were like 10 15 minutes away from the nearest hospital um and we're just like yeah we'll just have the baby here um and I just started, you know, like kind of preparing for birth. So it was just going to be you two, no one else? Yeah. I um, spoke to a couple of friends about um, if I went into labour during the day, like would they be able to come help out with Addie? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Um, and, yeah, and then it got to like 
40, 40 weeks and I wasn't in labour. It got to 41 weeks I wasn't in labour. Um, and then I had been going to see the same acupuncturist mm-hmm. um, the last few weeks while we'd been there. And then I got to like 41 weeks and six days and I um, went and saw her again and I was like, oh, you know, um, still pregnant. <laughs> and she was like, do you want to, you know, um, ripen like your cervix again? And I was like, yeah, okay, um, let's do that. And I, I hadn't told anyone my due date. Like I hadn't told my family or my friends. I just said she's due or it's due around like mid-December. Yeah. And so no one had been messaging me, you know, um, asking when it was coming, and which was nice. Yeah, and so I had the acupuncture again and then within 24 hours and it was exactly the same date, two years apart, at exactly <sighs> the same time I went into labour. What? Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, and I was just at home and, again, like I said to Ben, like, you know, you go have a sleep um, and Addie, we're all co-sleeping, so he was went and had a little nap next to Addie and I was just um, – laboring in the lounge room and um I have my birth video up on my Instagram but yeah Mm -hmm. I was um laboring in the lounge room and then I was getting quite tired so I lay down on the couch Mm -hmm. and must have had like this mini snooze because then I kind of um suddenly woke up with this really really long strong contraction that felt like it lasted about two minutes Mm. um and I was like I got that like heart being fast scared like can I really do this yeah um and I went and woke Ben up and I was like look you need to fill up the bath um I think this baby like our baby's going to be here soon um and he was like okay and he started getting it ready and um it was just like that it was like there was that tiny little bit of doubt still there like can I birth my baby on my own and then I um I um inhaled some of like my favorite essential oil for like um courage mm-hmm. and like then I just felt my nervous system calm yeah and um I was like I can do this and then Ben filled up the bath and I was um the last few contractions before transition next to the bath and then my body um yeah started started pushing I um I like when it started pushing, I obviously had the urge to poo, mm-hmm. um, which happens to a lot of women. I sat on the toilet for the first few pushes because it just feels like, oh, my gosh, what is coming out? <laughs> oh, is it my baby? <laughs> um, and then I was like, okay, okay, I'm all good. I'm ready to get into the bath. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I, if I guess it would have been like five or six rounds of pushing mm-hmm. and Ben was just like, kneeling next to me in the bath and he was like rubbing my back and um he was I kept saying to him like our baby's going to be here soon and I don't Mm. think he believed me because it was just happening all so quickly and I was like our baby's going to be here so so soon and um then I'd like go through a push and then um I could feel her crowning and my waters hadn't broken at all um I could feel her crowning and it felt like this big bubble obviously because the water bag was still around her mm-hmm. um and then I had that thought again because this was where my birth had been held up before mm-hmm. like I was like oh can I push my baby like can I open that much to push out a baby and you know those thoughts just start racing 
Um, and then I was like, no, I'm softening, I'm opening, I'm birthing my baby. And I was using my affirmations that yeah. I had been using all through my pregnancy, like I'm softening, I'm opening, I'm birthing my baby. And then there was another essential oil I used called surrender. And I just like surrendered to my body and trusted my body. Yeah. And wow. um, the next push, she came out and she was still in her, um, still in her um, water bag. And I remember Ben was kind of like, he said he was in shock because he just saw this, like, white bubbly thing came out. He was like, what is that? And then he said, like, I just automatically picked her up, like, kind of opened the bag and draped it over her and she um, sounded like she had a bit of um, liquid on her lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, so she came out crying and it sounded like a bit gurgly. So I just put her over my arm and I was just rubbing her back um, until it kind of, like, passed and it sounded like normal crying and then... I put her on my chest and she just literally latched onto my boobs straight away. Mm. Like took no time at all. And then we um, we drained the bath. Just I was holding her in a blanket against my chest and we drained the bath and because there was a lot of blood and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And then Ben filled it up again just whilst I was standing and um, sitting in it. Mm-hmm. And then I just sat there and my um, was breastfeeding her. And then my placenta came out probably like 10, 15 minutes after I'd birthed her. Oh, and, wow, that's yeah. quick. Yeah, it was so quick. That's uh, awesome. And that's the other thing, like during my first birth with Addie, like literally as soon as he'd come out, they were like getting the thing ready to like inject me with the whatever yeah. um, hormone it is to get your placenta out. And I was like, excuse me, can you just give me like one minute, half an hour to birth my placenta on my own? Like, just give me some space. Yeah. And I did birth my placenta on my own without any, Good on like, you. in my first birth as well. Um, and, yeah, so my placenta came out. We just put it in a bowl because we um, got placenta encapsulation, which we did the same with Addie as well. Awesome. And I just sat there breastfeeding her and then she kind of fell asleep on my chest and then we um, wrapped her up. And Can I just quickly ask, how did you feel in that moment considering – everything that had happened in your previous birth. Yeah, it just felt completely, like, natural. Like, of course this is what birth is like. Like, of course this is how it should be. Yeah. You know, women have been doing this for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Like, this is what we do. Like, we're just, we're told to, we're made to doubt our bodies and think that birth is like this medical procedure when it's Mm -hmm. not. We shouldn't be going to a hospital where you go to like when you, you know, break your leg or your Mm -hmm. arm or you're really sick to bring new life into the world. It's like, yeah, it just doesn't add up to me. Yeah. And I understand there are times when medical intervention is needed and we're so incredibly lucky to have that. Exactly. Most of the time, like it it isn't needed and there should be more of a safe, like not so medicalized space for women to have the option to give Mm. birth. You're so right. It's. Like you said, there's a time and place for medical intervention and we are very blessed that we have that at our fingertips, but a lot of the time it's kind of thrust upon us when we don't necessarily need it. Yeah, and once you have one intervention, it's like you're on a time clock and you're at the cascade of interventions are like, okay, well, if that doesn't happen the next half an hour, then yeah. this is going to happen. And yeah. Exactly. And I always, like, I remember reading, like, a, um, a book and it, it compared, like, you know, like, giving birth like is similar to like doing a poo like you go Mm. to the toilet and if you've got eight people standing around you going is that poo coming come on do your poo kind of thing you're not going to be able to do your poo are you because you're it's like the um 
the exit waves of your body completely tense up because yeah. you're nervous and you're anxious and makes you're so like, much sense. Yeah, and it's the same thing. It's the same like muscles that um, regulate your birth, like through your cervix and your vaginal opening and stuff. It's the same muscles you need to be able to relax and trust your body and feel yeah, safe yeah. in the space that you're giving birth. Otherwise, you know, you won't soften and you won't open up. Yeah, really makes so much sense, doesn't it? So where was Addie while you were laboring and giving birth? He was asleep in the bedroom and he slept through the whole thing. So <laughs> I went into labor at 8 um, p.m., um, started having contractions and she was born at 3.31 a.m. in the morning, which I feel like would have happened in the same way if I had have stayed home, like with Addie's birth. So it was almost like reliving yeah. what his birth could have been. How special. Um, and so she was born on his birthday. Um, cool. So we, yeah, after we had like been sitting with her and Ben made me a smoothie, um, he cut off a bit of my placenta and he made me a beautiful like nourishing smoothie and I had that and then we went to bed with her and Addie woke up about uh, 6 a.m. or something and we were like, look, you got a baby sister for your birthday. <laughs> and he'd been he'd been telling me like the whole pregnancy that it was a sister and we were like, you were right, like you got a sister. Mm. And he was like, oh, like so in awe. <laughs> what a beautiful birthday present. And <laughs> do you think you guys will go back for a third? Yeah. Yeah, we will. Um, I just want to give my body a bit more of a break in between. So in between the pregnancies. So I'm thinking like um, when June is two, so in a year's time, we'll try again. Yeah. Awesome. And I know you had an empowering experience, but is there anything you would do differently third time around? Um, I'd have a doula. Like oh, I'm awesome. definitely going to hire a doula um, this time just to help with like, um, you know, taking care of like Ben and just the whole family afterwards and just having someone there to help yeah um so that you know like even Ben doesn't feel like he has to do all the meal cooking and you know and just be able to be part of yeah yeah. gotcha so what advice would you give to any expectant mums out there um just really like trust your body Mm -hmm. and do a lot of reading and research prior to your birth um you know, know all the choices that you have. Like I know having a birth plan is just, you know, no birth turns out exactly how you want it. Obviously it's a completely experience outside of your control, Mm -hmm. but educate yourself on your choices because, you know, so many women get pregnant and go into the birth system without knowing their choices and just go along with whatever they're told they have to do. When, you know, maybe some of those things that we're told we have to do aren't the best for our, ourselves and our babies. So just, and whatever choice you make, like at least you have the choice. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you feel more empowered after your birth because, you know, you got to make the choice to make. And even if things didn't go to plan and you ended up having a cesarean and stuff, like that's totally fine. Like every birth is a miracle no matter how it happens. And yeah. that was the biggest thing that I learned having Junie like, was like it wasn't like her birth was any better than Addie's. Like that was the experience that we were supposed to have together and I learnt so much from that. Like I always say everything happens for you, not to you. Yeah. And I'm and I'm so incredibly grateful having had that experience with Addie and still being so grateful for that birth experience because I learnt so much about the medical system and, it, you know, it allows me to relate so much to other women's yeah. birth stories and things. But then I know the complete 
opposite of what it can be as well. Yeah, I feel you so deeply when you say that your experience with Addie was meant to be because I feel like you have such a strong presence on social media, almost like a teacher. And it's like that experience will for sure help you help so many other women. Oh, thank you for saying that. I just, I just hope to like inspire other women to just, you know, like take care of themselves and like educate themselves and empower themselves and look into other ways of like living and being. And yeah, well, yeah. you're definitely succeeding at that. Thank you so much, Luna, for coming on today and sharing your journey with us. I know it's going to help so many women out there. So I really appreciate oh, it. Thank you so much, Sky. It was so lovely to chat to you. That brings us to the end of today's show, guys. I hope Luna's journey has inspired you to believe in yourself and to always seek information that will enable you to make informed decisions and give you back your power. Check out Luna's Instagram page for daily inspiration and insight into bus life. That concludes season one of Positive Birth Australia. And I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. And I'll see you guys next week for the first episode of season two. I hope you all have a safe and happy new year.